Hey guys and fellow true crime lovers, and thank you so much for tuning in to my latest episode of Secrets in the Desert. I'm your hostess, Titi Jimenez. I have exciting news to share with you all. After I finish season one of Secrets in the Desert, I will be starting another true crime podcast where I will be discussing different true crime cases from around the world of just here in New Mexico. My new podcast will be called Weed, Wine, and a Little True Crime. So I'm super excited about that. I will give you guys more details and everything you need to know about the new podcast once the launch date gets closer. So please keep a watchful eye or ear out for it. (laughs) I hope all of my listeners are staying safe by social distancing and wearing those good old masks when out in public, just as that extra precaution not only for you and your family, but also for everyone else in your community. Obviously, you don't have to listen to what I say, but you could potentially be saving dozens and dozens of lives just by wearing a mask, washing your hands, and using hand sanitizer. The case I will be covering today is the still unsolved disappearance of Tara Calico from Belen, New Mexico in 1988. This case has had a few twists and turns in the years since her disappearance, but Tara Calico herself, her body, or her remains have never been found. Literally, no one knows what really happened to her. It's like she just vanished off the face of the earth, never to be seen or heard from again. That is until one day a picture found in a parking lot of a Florida convenience store brought new attention to Tara's case in June of 1989. The crazy part about this was found by an anonymous woman in in a Florida parking lot also showed a young boy between the ages of 8 and 10. They were both bound with duct tape on their mouths and on their arms behind their backs. The look in their eyes was pure terror. To this day, the young boy, who was also in the picture, has never been identified, almost 32 years later. So come on this roller coaster of the case of Where is Tara Calico with me. As always, the cases I discuss on this podcast sometimes deal with murder, rape, sodomy, torture, child murders, and every other deplorable act that these disgusting, vile pieces of shit commit. So listener discretion is advised. Now, let's get into the case of... Tara Lee Calico was born on February 28, 1969 to Patty Dole and David Calico in Belen, New Mexico. Belen is a pretty small community of about 7,500 people smack dab in the middle of New Mexico. Just to give a little geographical area, Belen, New Mexico, also called the Hub City, is southernmost end of Albuquerque, New Mexico, about 35 miles south of Albuquerque to be exact. That includes access to railroads, the interstate highway, and the only airport in Valencia County, albeit a very small airport. So obviously Belen is a super small town where everyone knows everyone and everyone knows everyone's business. So for a beautiful young 19 year old to go missing there is pretty much unheard of during the 80s. Growing up, Tara loved living in her small town because it was very safe back then. A ranching community and there wasn't really much to do but do things outdoors. There weren't cell phones, internet access, or even cable TV to keep 
people occupied. Most of Tara's social life consisted of playing outside, either swimming at the pool, playing in the pond, or swimming in the famous Rio Grande River. Tara loved the outdoors, loved chasing cows when they wandered too far away, and hanging out with her family and best friends. Tara liked to play hard, but she also worked really hard in school. She knew that a good education was her only way out of Berlin to move on to bigger and better things. After graduating from high school, Tara stayed around Berlin, enrolling in a junior college in a neighboring county about 15 minutes away from her home in Berlin. Tara Calico was described as a young Caucasian 19-year-old female who was about 5'7 and around 120 pounds. She had brown hair and green eyes. Noticeable marks on her body were she had a large scar on the back of her right shoulder, a brown birthmark, and another scar on one of her calves. Her mother, Patty Dole, loved going for long bike rides together every day along the same route, Mexico State Road 47, which was near their home. However, on the day Tara was eventually abducted or disappeared, September 20, 1988, decided not to go on the bike ride because in the days leading up to Tara's disappearance, Patty felt that she was being stalked by someone in a car and it scared the shit out of her. Of course, Patty tried to talk Tara out of going for a morning bike ride, especially alone. Tara thought Patty was blowing things out of proportion, so she still wanted to go. Because Tara refused to stop going morning bike ride, Patty begged her to take some mace or pepper spray on her person. But I mean, I get it. It was 1988 when things like this really never happened there. Like... I said, the most recent population in 2019 of Berlin, New Mexico, is only about 7,500 people. So back then, people didn't really even lock their doors, let alone think that someone would kidnap or murder a young girl in their own community. Like I said, that's just how it was back then. And that is absolutely no one's fault, but the murder or murderer and theirs alone. It was just the times they were living in. I get it. I really do. I can't even imagine the guilt that Patty Dole had dealt with since the day of her daughter's disappearance. I know that Patty and Tara's biological father are no longer with us, but to her stepfather John Dole and the rest of her family and her friends, I want to say this was none of you guys' fault and there was nothing you could have done to prevent this from happening. I feel for you and I will continue to keep you all in my prayers and send my sincerest condolences. I really hope and pray that your family will get justice for whatever happened to Tara. On the morning of September 20th, 1988, Tara Lee Calico got up and got ready for the day like she did every other normal day. Tara had a date with her boyfriend at 12.30 p.m. that afternoon, and then she had class at 3.30 p.m. Around 9.30 a.m., Tara wanted to go get her 35-mile bike ride in before running her errands later that day. And yes, you heard that right. Tara would ride for 34 miles every day. She was a literal fucking beast. Anyways, as I stated before, Tara's mother, Patty, was supposed to go on that ride, opted not to go because she had felt that she was being stalked by a motorist. I don't know about you, but as a mother, if I felt like someone was stalking me out in the middle of nowhere, I would forbade my daughter to ever go on a bike ride alone again, even if she was 19 years old. But again, this was the 80s, and Belen was a pretty safe small community. No one could have prepared themselves for something like this to happen. So at 9.30 a.m., Tara set out on her daily bike ride 
on her pink huffy bike. Usual route down New Mexico Highway 47. Tara didn't return home for her date with her boyfriend. Tara's mother, Patty, immediately knew something was wrong. When Patty and her husband, John, along with police, started searching for her, all they found was Tara's Walkman she used when riding her bike broken on the side of the road on her bike route. Tara or her pink huffy bike were never seen again, even 31 years later. Tara's noon date with her boyfriend and class at 3.30 p.m. came and went. She never returned home. What happened next was the beginning of the almost 32-year mystery that has yet to be solved. Saying they saw Tara riding her bike and a suspicious vehicle following her. Tara's Sony Walkman was found broken on the side of the road by her mother, Patty, the next day after her disappearance. There were a few sightings in the southern U.S. states in 1988 and 1989. None of the sightings could be confirmed. After Tara's disappearance, her mother, Patty, contacted the Valencia County Sheriff's Office immediately. Sheriff Rivera Romero said, quote, We feel that this is an involuntary disappearance, and we understand from talking to her family and friends, this is totally out of character for Tara to turn up missing. No one witnessed Tara's actual abduction, but several witnesses did observe a light-colored pickup truck, possibly a 1953 Ford with a camper shell on the back of it, slowly following behind Tara. Made from, there was a sketch these witnesses and the sketch did eventually lead to about 100 tips, which were all investigated and proven to be false. This is probably one of the worst, most baffling cases, and it haunts me. No one has been named a suspect or arrested in the connection to Tara Calico's disappearance. It's so hard to believe that not one shred of evidence besides Tara's Walkman and cassette no fingerprints, no DNA, no skin cells, nothing from someone else. Investigating Tara's disappearance, police found a set of bike tracks on the next day that suddenly turned on to the side of the road onto a soft shoulder and that led to a spot about 100 yards away. The investigators discovered some fresh tire tracks and a fresh oil slick. They also found the cassette tape from Tara's Walkman and the front plastic window of the Walkman about 20 miles away from where investigators found pieces of the Walkman and found the rest near the entrance of the remote John F. Kennedy campground on September 24, 1988. Dr. Patty believes that Tara intentionally dropped the Walkman and cassette tape as part of Tara's effort to leave trail of some sort. Detectives kept looking for leads and interviewed people who were driving on New Mexico Highway 47. Actually, police found seven witnesses who had seen Tara the day she disappeared, and five of the seven witnesses saw the suspicious pickup truck that was following Tara. On October 25, 1988, sheriffs held a press conference and announced that they believed that at least two men were involved in Tara's abduction. This information was obtained on a witness who came forward to say he saw two people in a light-colored pickup truck around 11.45 a.m. Same witness describes the driver as a 35 to 45-year-old white male with reddish-brownish hair about 5'9 to 6 foot 
weighing between 190 and 210 pounds. The truck was described as an off-white mid-50s to early 60s Ford pickup truck with a camper shell on the back, the oversized tires, and a Ford logo that had crushed red glass letters. The truck had a license plate that began with either WBY or WBZ and the number six somewhere in it. The shitty thing about New Mexico is that in New Mexico you are only required to have one license plate on the rear of your vehicle and unfortunately the witnesses didn't get the whole license plate number to give to police. I know that D DNA analysis was pretty much non-existent in 1988 but I just wonder if these did find DNA from another person that maybe they can upload the potential DNA from the Walkman into CODIS or a familial DNA database like 23andMe or Ancestry.com to try and get a hit if there was even any DNA found. With the advancement of DNA technology, maybe the investigators would have a good chance in solving Tara's disappearance. I mean, look at how many serial killers and murderers are being brought to justice because of the new DNA analysis technology. For example, the Golden State Killer and the serial killer Samuel Little. Along with other countless victims who are still missing after decades and decades, let's hope that the new detectives on the case are looking into Tara's disappearance with fresh new eyes and maybe, just maybe, they can catch something that previous detectives who worked on her case originally may have missed. And no, I'm not saying the original investigators botched the investigation. It just It's just always been a good outcome for cold cases when fresh new eyes look into it just in case. It wouldn't hurt to do it because investigators learn new investigation skills all the time. All they need is that one little tip to come forward and blow Tara's case wide open. In June of 1989, Tara's family, friends, and investigators believed that they may have just gotten the big break they needed to find Tara. 1,500 miles away from New Mexico in St. Port Joseph, Florida, an unidentified woman found a mysterious photo in the parking lot of a convenience store. What this woman saw in the photo is the stuff nightmares are made of. And it would change the whole direction in the Terra Calico disappearance. This mysterious found photo also brought up another possible abduction of someone else, a young boy who was in the picture with Tara. On June 15, 1989, almost nine months after Tara disappeared, a woman found a Polaroid picture in a parking lot in Florida. Yes, Florida, almost 1,500 miles away, and turned it over to the police because what the photo showed. Obviously alarmed, the woman who found the photo called Port St. Joe, Florida police who responded to the convenience store where the woman gave them the picture on the scene. The woman claimed that she found the photo in a parking space where a white windowless Toyota cargo van had just been parked before she went into the store. She came out, she found the photo while getting into her own car. The photo was a young woman and a young boy bound behind their backs with duct tape and had duct tape on their mouths. Laying in the back of the white cargo van, the witness 
After the photo was shared with the public, the bound girl had a striking resemblance to Tara Calico, and the young boy also in the photo was also believed to be another missing New Mexican youth, possibly named Michael Henley. Locks were set up to possibly intercept the suspects and the victims, but all the roadblocks and searches around the convenience store, attempts to locate the van, the suspect, or the victims was impossible. According to the photo manufacturer for Polaroid, the picture had to have been taken after May of 1989 because that particular style of photo was not even produced until May of 1989. The FBI analyzed the photo. They have not been able to definitively prove 100% that the people in the photo were Tara and Michael Henley. A forensic artist compared pictures of the two victims' photos that was found and could only say he believes about 85% that it is indeed Tara Calico and Michael Henley in the picture. After the disgusting photo was found in Florida, it was covered by a TV show called A Current Affair. Both Tara's and Michael's family watched the episode and believed that the young children in the photo resembled both of their children shown the picture and the more she looked at it the more she became convinced that the young woman in the photo was her beloved daughter Tara. Patty said the girl in the photo had a discolored streak on her thigh a scar similar to one Tara had from she was in a car accident at a younger age shown in the photo right next to Tara VC Andrews my sweet Audrina the book was her favorite book and the author was her favorite author so who was the boy in the photo with what appeared to be Tara, you ask? Actually, no one knew who he was, but there was a few missing. most promising match to the young boy was 10-year-old Michael Henley. He had also vanished from New Mexico in April of 1988 when he, his father, and a family friend went on a hunting trip. Michael was also never seen alive or heard from again until the photo was found in the convenience store parking lot over 1,500 miles away. Michael's mother was just as convinced as Patty, Tara's mom, that those were for sure their kids in the photo. However, it was later proven that the young boy in the photo wasn't Michael because Michael's remains were discovered in June of 1990 in the Zuni Mountains, which was approximately seven miles or kilometers from where he was camping with his family. On the day he disappeared, which was approximately seven miles or 11 kilometers from where he was camping with his family, the day he disappeared. June of 1990 in the Zuni Mountains, five miles or 121 kilometers from where Tara disappeared in Belen, New Mexico five months later. Finding Michael Henley's remains, police determined that Michael had more than likely wandered off by himself while hunting and subsequently died from exposure. It was sad for Michael Henley's family that they sure thought that he was abducted like Tara by the same person all those years until his remains were found literally seven miles away from where they were camping. I could not imagine this type of heartbreak as a mother of three. 14-year-old, a 10-year-old, and an almost 6-year-old, and this breaks my heart. Michael's disappearance is no longer connected to the disappearance of Tara Calico. Tara and Michael's families couldn't conclusively confirm 100% that the people in the photo police sent the photo to be examined by Scotland Yard, 
which they believe that it was Tara and Michael in the photo, but another analysis of the photo by the Los Alamos lab agreed with what Scotland Yard concluded. An, F an FBI analysis of the photo was deemed inconclusive, so who knows who the fuck those two poor people were in that creepy-ass photo. It has never been proven to be Tara Calico and Michael Henley. In the photo, I always say how I can't understand why crimes like this happen. Like, I can't fathom it. I really can't. Maybe it's because I've never really personally met or ever had any type of interaction with someone who has so much evil in them. So, my naive mind that won't allow me to think that stuff like this happens. But, I mean, obviously it does. <laughs> All these years and Tara Calico's family still have never gotten closure and Michael Henley's family did find closure not the ending or conclusion that his family was suspecting or hoping for. Over the years a few more photos surfaced of a woman who was believed to be Tara but her family didn't believe any of them. Tara's family and friends deny the theory that the 19 year old free-spirited family loving daughter would ever run away from home because Tara was a responsible, kind, independent, organized, and cheerful person. Tara had absolutely no problems whatsoever before she disappeared. Quote, there was just so much she wanted to fit into one day. She was like a little machine. It was amazing, said Tara's loving, heartbroken stepfather, John Dole. In this case, I didn't find too many theories about what really happened. The most obvious theory is that Tara ran away on her own accord and started a new life somewhere never to contact her friends family or boyfriend ever again but I mean there have been searches continuously done for her but also on her bank accounts and social security numbers and nothings have been used since she disappeared on September 20th 1988 I honestly feel likely theory of all and had a great life in general about Tara's disappearance was that she was abducted by one or two men in a light-colored truck with a camper on the back and then raped, murdered, and buried somewhere. The last theory that is most likely about Tara's disappearance is probably of what happened to her 32 years ago. Henry Brown came forward after he made a deathbed confession in 2008 to investigators and claimed that shortly after Tara disappeared he went to one of his friend's house a man named Lawrence Romero Jr. and while in the basement of the home he noticed what appeared to be a young woman's body wrapped in a blue tarp and buried in a makeshift grave in the basement. Henry said that Lawrence Romero Jr. a man named Dave Silva and yet another man whom Henry didn't know but described him as a Caucasian man with red hair told him that the dead woman wrapped in the tarp was in fact Tara Calico. The men claimed that on the day of Tara's disappearance, them along with another man named Leroy Chavez were out riding in a truck on the morning of September 20th, 1988. They noticed Tara riding her bike along New Mexico Highway 47. The four men attempted her bike so that they could abduct her. They put Tara in the cab of the truck and her pink huffy bike in the bed covered with a camper. Henry claimed the men then took Tara to a grave pit and raped her. 
Tara supposedly threatened to go to the police, so Lawrence Romero Jr. stabbed Tara while they moved her body to the basement. After this, all four men threatened to kill Henry Brown if he ever went to the police. Henry also claimed to believe Romero Jr. because Romero Jr.'s dad happened to be Sheriff Rene Rivera Romero, and he was the sheriff of Valencia County where Lynn is located. So could this case all be a cover-up for his son? Who knows? It makes you wonder. Pretty suspect to me, but do I know? I'm just a true crime junkie with no formal training, just wanting to tell the story. Silva Chavez and the unnamed man with red hair her down. The searches for Tara started. Henry Brown claimed they originally hid her body nearby in nearby brush, but when stories about the innocent people who have been here around New Mexico. Cover-up theory could definitely be possible because of how small Belen, New Mexico is. Supposedly, Sheriff Rivera Romero also allegedly helped cover up the crime by finding a letter that was supposedly written by his son Lawrence Romero Jr. confessing to Tara's murder, but then allegedly destroying it. Henry Brown also told the investigators on his deathbed that he believed the four men implicated in Tara's disappearance. It also came to light that Vince later moved her body to a pond near one of the four men's houses. Tara's pink huffy bike had been destroyed in a junkyard. Unfortunately, Lawrence, by the time Henry Brown made his confession, Leroy Chavez and the unnamed fourth suspect with red hair were all deceased. Little Jr. Dave Silva. I honestly don't know what to think about this theory. So that's why I tend to lean more of believing theory. But it sounds really plausible. So much details. He had a lot, a lot of details. Like stuff that the cops didn't know. Well, Henry Brown theory. Why would Henry Brown make something like that up? But then again, did Henry wait until he was dying to come forward with the information? Unless maybe he was more complicit in Tara's disappearance than he let on. Who knows, he could be the fourth unnamed suspect that still to this day hasn't been identified, just trying to get it off his conscience before dying without fully owning up to his part. But I honestly don't know. And it just like aggravates me like, oh, I mean, almost 32 years later, no evidence has ever been found. But this is a good theory. I mean, I just wish someone would come forward with the information needed to bring Tara's remains home to her family. Tara's family ended up leaving New Mexico and moved to Florida in 2003. I wonder if that move had anything to do with where the photo that was believed to be Tara was found. Patty Dole, Tara's mother, passed away in 2006 after having a stroke and her biological father, David Calico, passed away in 2002 after suffering a heart attack. Tara's loving stepfather, John Dole, is still alive and hopes that one day Tara and her remains will be found and brought home once and for all. It's so sad that most of Tara's family, especially her parents, passed away before ever finding out what really happened to their precious daughter. I can't imagine the pain they lived through every single day until they themselves passed away. My sister's horrific death haunts me still almost five years later every single fucking day and she was just my sister. I can't, But losing that child and never getting any type of closure or finding their remains or their body or whatever. I can't imagine the pain of not only losing a child in death. 
Tara just woke up one morning and was gone like she never existed. Her family, her friends, and investigators are doing their best to keep Tara's case and memory alive as best as they can. After 20 years and many accusations of corruption later, Sheriff Rivera Romero, Lawrence Romero Jr.'s father, decided to reopen Tara Calico's case. Tara Romero claimed to have solved Tara's case and finally knows what happened to Tara the day she disappeared. Sheriff Rivera claimed that a young man who knew Tara back in 1988 drove up behind her on her bike and mishap followed. Whatever happened the day with the young man in the truck, Tara was killed and the one responsible got rid of her body. Sheriff Romero claims to know the names of those who were involved in Tara's murder, but won't reveal their names and without a body, he was never able to make a case for Tara's murder. Therefore, no suspects have never publicly named and no arrests have ever been made. Hmm, I wonder why. I wonder if Sheriff Rivera Romero won't reveal the names of the suspects or bring charges against the suspects that he definitely knows are because maybe, just maybe, the uh, um, were his son Lawrence and his friends like Henry Brown claimed. With Henry Brown's deathbed confession, it's crazy to me that the sheriff at the time, Sheriff Rivera Romero, conceal the crime and not bring charges to the men he claimed to be involved in the crime. This is to bring them to justice. One final noteworthy break about Tara, about the Tara Calico disappearance is in 2013, another witness named Donald Dutch went to the Valencia County Sheriff's Office and told them came forward with years before. The exact same story that Henry Brown, Donald Dutch's interview was recorded, but somehow the recording was lost somewhere and it's never been found. Hmm, it's never been found. I wonder if it was destroyed to protect real criminals. But who knows, we don't have proof of it because the tape is gone now. After Tara's stepfather, John Dole, about the confessions, after John Dole learned about the confessions, he was shocked that Sheriff Rivera Romero was willing to arrest or bring charges on anyone with all of this circumstantial evidence. I mean, there have been many, many, many cases where there has been a conviction to a murder with no body. That right there tells me that Tara's case was tragically covered up because the real killers were Lawrence Romero Jr. and his friends. They were the real perpetrators in the Tara Calico disappearance and they all participated in her rape and her murder and getting rid of the body. A sheriff's officer sure would know exactly how to get rid of a body never to be found again but I'm just saying they all got away with murder pretty much that's my opinion. How I see it because uh, Lawrence Romero Jr.'s dad was the sheriff of the investigating office so the investigating agency. On October 21st, 2019, the FBI announced that they are offering an award of up to $20,000 for precise details leading to the identification or location of Tara Lee Calico and information leading to the arrest and conviction of whoever is responsible for her disappearance. If you have any information related to the Tara Calico's case, you are urged to call the Valencia County Sheriff's Office at 
Again, 505-866-2400 or Crime Stoppers at 505-843-7867. Again, 505-843-7867. You can remain anonymous, so please guys, if anyone knows anything, please call in and help Tara Calico and her family get peace. It's time for Tara to come home. Well, guys, this has probably been my longest episode I've ever put out so far on Secrets in the Desert. I just felt like to tell Tara Calico's story in detail because of all the twists and turns that have come out over the last almost 32 years since Tara Calico disappeared. I was only two years old when Tara disappeared, but growing up and hearing her story and seeing how heartbroken her family and friends are, this case has always haunted me. I was always told growing up not to go anywhere alone or without telling anyone where you're going because things like this can happen and they do happen. I was told to always be aware of my surroundings and I teach my kids this same thing now the exact same way. It's a scary scary world out there because you never know. But this is where the case of where is Tara Calico is ending. I really hope you guys enjoyed the episode and I would love to hear from you guys on whatever theories you have or whatever you believe may have happened to her back on September 20th, 1988. I'm your host, Titi Jimenez, signing off. Until next time, my friends, stay safe out in this crazy world. Peace out, guys.